0: Now i want to I want to remind you, as we talk about these things, you know our focus needs to be not just about ourselves. you know we're not talking about being equipped so that you can gain more Bible knowledge or become more spiritual so that you know we can just get puffed up. The Bible says knowledge puffs up but Not worldly knowledge, not just information, but we want to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Why? So that Christ can be glorified through us. So that Christ can be manifest through us. And so when we talk about being equipped, why does Christ want you to be equipped? Why does Christ want to equip you? He gave these gifts for the equipping of the saints. Why does Christ want to equip you? Remember, we said being equipped is all about what the Lord can do through you. Why? Because He now lives in you. Remember, God is God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we have this concept that God's way up somewhere in heaven. But the Scripture says that Christ lives in us. And so, yes... God the Father, Jesus is sitting in heavenly places at the right hand of majesty on high. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. But the reality also is this, and this is the mystery, church. You know, the kingdom of heaven is within us. And Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the comforter, the spirit of truth, and he will be with you, but not only that, he will also be in you. He said, I'm with you now, but he's going to come and not only be with you, but he's also going to live in you. And so we know that now Christ lives in us. He dwells in us by the Spirit. And so why does God want us to be equipped? Because being equipped enables him to work through us, to live through us because he lives in us remember this this is the gospel man when I think of the gospel it's what Paul said in Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God I was talking to someone last week and and they were talking about someone they knew who was kind of into psychics and uh and this person is, professes to be a believer. They profess to be a believer, but yet they're, you know, they want to get some wisdom from the psychic and find out. And I said, I said, now, stop just a minute. I said, I want you to think about this for a moment. You have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, the very God who created heaven and earth the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, why would I want to consult any other spirit? Why would I want to consult anything else when I have the very Creator God living in me by His Spirit? It doesn't make any sense, does it? But it's so easy for us to just overlook and and fall back on really earthly carnal wisdom. We can say psychics are spiritual, but they're really not spiritual. I mean, they're demonic, yes. But it's really, you're really trusting in a carnal knowledge. Do you realize that, that we, we have this, part of our nature is to, to try to run after things and find things that will justify, it. we try to justify our feelings or our desires, our wants. And if we look long enough and we look hard enough, we can always find something that will justify what it is I want to do. I mean, Paul told it to Timothy this way. He said, in the last days, they'll heap up for themselves teachers because they have itching ears, and they'll find someone to tickle their ear and to justify what it is they really want to do. Why? Because they cannot, they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not embrace the truth, so let's find somebody that's going to tell me what I really want to hear and then we'll call it God and we'll all feel good about it. The only problem with that is, if it's not the truth, you haven't been set free, you've been brought into bondage. And so God wants us to be equipped, Christ gave gifts to the church and Christ wants to equip us so that he can do a work through us because he now lives in us. So the work of ministry is this, Christ in you, working through you to build up his body to the fullness who fills all in all. Because it goes on here in verse, in verse 13 of, of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, these gifts have been given for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, A unity of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, deceived and led astray. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things. How many things, church? In all things. That we may grow up in all things. That means every area of our life that we grow up in the knowledge of Christ, that we grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. There's not one area of my life that God does not want me to grow up in, into Him. My ability to forgive, my ability to love, my ability to extend mercy, my ability to be patient, my ability to be long-suffering, My ability to allow the life of Christ in me to be manifest through me to everyone I come in contact with, wherever I may be. That's why we're being equipped. The work of the ministry, Christ in you, working through you. To do what? To build up His body. Who? Look at verse 15, speaking the truth. Growing up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And from Christ, from this head that we are connected to, we are the body. He is the head from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Which part of your body do you not want to work? Which part of your body do you not want to function? <clears throat> I mean, do you really want to pick and say, well, okay, let's see? And you begin to try to eliminate, well, I, I want my heart to work because if it's not working, I've got real problems. And, uh, well, I want my mouth to work because I like to talk. And, and two, I like to eat. I mean, what part of our body do we not want to work and to function? Well, we want all of our body to function. Do you think Christ wants all of his body to function, to work and to supply what every other part needs? Absolutely, he does. And so we've got to come to see ourselves as what? Not islands unto ourselves, but we've got to come to see ourselves as parts of the body. What was it I had you say last week? I am a member of, a part of, what? The body of Christ. Just say that. Say, I am a member of. Now, see, you did it again. You didn't say it like you're really excited about it. Don't you think we should be excited about being a part of the body of Christ? No, no, wait. Just stop and think for a moment. What if you are not a part of the body of Christ? Think about the consequences of that reality. What if you are not a part of the body of Christ? What if God never gave you an opportunity to become a part of his body? What if God never extended his grace and his salvation to us? What if he just said, you know what, you guys deserve death and that's what you're going to get. There's no hope or no chance for life. I mean, do we realize the privilege of being a part of His body? So say it. I am a member of, a part of, the body of Christ. Church, that's awesome. That's awesome that God has graced us to be a part of His body, that He has given us the ability, the right, through faith, to become joined to the head, Jesus Christ and that we can be joined and knit together that we can be joints and ligaments and parts of the body supplying life to the other parts of the body that we can be in a part a, a part of his body effective working and supplying what the other parts need that we can be a part of building up his body in love remember i said if we come focused on building up the body guess who automatically gets built up you do, and I do. If we come focused on what I'm going to get out of it, then I'm not thinking about me building other people up. I'm only thinking about what's happening to me. Whether I like the message, whether I like the music, whether I like the person standing next to me, whether the bagels were good or the donuts were good, or whether the coffee, the coffee was a little off this morning. I don't know. I mean, that may be true. Why are you here? For the coffee, for the donuts, for the bagels? I mean, I hope you come and eat them because they work real hard to put all that out for you. But is that really why we come? No, that's just a benefit. That's a fringe benefit for being here. Why I really should be here is to do what? Is the purpose to build somebody up, to build the body up. And I'm guaranteed that if I come with a purpose of building up someone else, I am guaranteed that I myself will be built up why because i am a member of a part of the body of christ and if i build up one part of the body then that means the whole body is built up and if i'm a part of the body and the whole body is built up then i'm included in that and i'm going to be built up as well and so it's important church for us to to grasp this and to understand this let me make this concept even more simple It is simply this. The work of the ministry is simply Christ expressing his life through us. That's really the work of the ministry. It's Christ expressing his life through us. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Jesus was wonderful at reducing things down to such simplicity. He said, look, I tell you what, guys, you you guys are pretty simple. You're just fishermen. You're not educated. You can't even read or write. People make fun of you all the time. I hope you know that. But I don't really care. Let me make it real plain and simple for you. You know they did that. They made fun of the disciples because they talked with an accent. They were all from Texas or somewhere like that. And, And everybody in other parts of the country made fun of them because they had such a hick accent. They couldn't read, they couldn't write. They smelled like fish because all they did was fish. And Jesus pulls them from the boats, literally. They're washing the nets and he says, leave that and come and follow me, you unlearned fishermen. They couldn't do anything else. They didn't qualify for anything else. In man's eyes, otherwise they would have all been rabbis because every dream of every Jewish father and every Jewish boy is to grow up and become a rabbi. But they didn't cut the mustard. So they were relegated to doing what their father or grandfather or somebody else did. They were fishermen. Nothing wrong with being a fisherman. But I can promise you they probably would have rather done something else. But that's what they did. And here comes Jesus. And he said, I don't really care what man thinks about you. Man calls you unqualified. The world doesn't think much of you. But you know what? I love you. I'm going to take the foolish things and I'm going to confound the wise. I'm going to take the weak things and I'm going to bring to nothing those who are mighty. You guys, do you want to come follow me and become fishers of men? They said, you bet, Jesus. Let's do it. Now, when they did that, they didn't fully understand what they were getting into. As we see toward the end of the Gospels, after Jesus has been crucified, And they've lost their faith. They've lived with this guy for three and a half years. And now he's been crucified. They watched him put in the tomb. And they don't even have any faith that that he's the Messiah. I mean, he's in a room with them, telling them, Hey, whoa, here I am. See the holes in my hand, the holes in my feet. Go ahead, handle me. And the scripture says they still don't believe. Now, I don't know about you, church, but that gives me some hope. That gives me some hope. I mean, if the very guy's who walked with Jesus, slept with Jesus, ate with Jesus, went everywhere with Jesus, raised the dead with Jesus, healed the blind with Jesus, healed the lame with Jesus. These guys that walked with him and took part of the miracles that he took part with were on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was transfigured before them, and Moses and Elijah show up, and these guys, and Jesus is right here, the resurrected Jesus is there, and they don't even believe it's really Jesus. They are so full of doubt and unbelief. I'm thinking, man, that really gives me some hope. Makes me feel a little bit better about my doubt and unbelief. But you know what Jesus did? He did what He promised. He knew. Do you know He knew they were going to doubt? Do you know that Jesus knew that we were going to doubt? He knew. And that's why he said, Here's the promise I'm giving you. I'm going to promise you the Holy Spirit. See, we're talking about being equipped. But I'm going to tell you, church, it's not a good sermon that's going to equip you. It's not a nice series and a nice acronym E Q U I P. And you can make it stand for anything you want to make it stand for. That, that's really not going to equip you. It's a tool you can use. It's a vehicle that the Holy Spirit can use. But the reality is, until the Holy Spirit does something on the inside of you, until something supernatural happens, until something spiritual, not natural, happens. See, what I'm doing with you right now is very natural. Even though I'm talking about spiritual things, we're having a natural interaction. My speech is natural. My conversation is natural. I may be animated. My pacing may drive you crazy. Some of you may like it. Some of you may wish that I would just stand still in one place. Some say, well, I love his delivery. Others say, I hate his delivery. You know, none of that really matters. None of it really matters. Because all I'm giving you right now really is information. The question is, what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to Invite and allow and seek the Holy Spirit's power to take plain Jane information. Now, it may be good information, and I happen to believe it is because I'm in the book. So you take my study guide, and you take your Bible, and you make sure I'm in the book. The information is good. It's based in truth, but it's still information. Do you know that Jesus spoke to men... Every day, who knew the Scriptures better than you and I ever will, possibly? Oh, they were full of information. They knew the Scriptures frontwards and backwards. Do you know that they didn't have chapter and verse? Do you know that, that if you were going to study to be a rabbi, and you were a young man, and you made it through the very beginnings of your education, by the time you did your bar mitzvah, you became a, an adult male, you know how much of the scripture you had committed to memory? I believe more than probably 98% of the people on earth today, unless you're Jewish, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, they had this book. They had, the old, they had the first five books of the Old Testament committed to memory. They had the writings. I mean, they, they, it, was, it was in them. It was required. They were tested over it. They didn't just come to church and get a study guide. I mean, they had to pass a test to be deemed worthy, to be considered a young man. And if they passed that test and they went on, and that's how they became rabbis and great teachers of the law. By the time you were like a man such as Nicodemus or even Jesus, who was a rabbi. You know how much of the word you had just, I mean, committed to memory? It's in you. It's in you. But it's still information. And after three and a half years of a lot of good information, you know what the disciples of Jesus had? Fear, doubt, and unbelief. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit had not come and empowered them and enlightened them. But all that information they had, it was deposited there. It was like seed planted in good soil. That's why Jesus gave the parable of the sower. And for all of that time, Jesus planted seed, planted seed, planted seed, planted seed, planted seed. Here he is, the resurrected Lord, no fruit. Nothing but doubt and unbelief. My gosh, they thought Jesus was a ghost. And he peered in a room right before him in a physical body, in his glorified body, and they thought he was a ghost. Where is the fruit there? There wasn't any, but the seed was there. The seed was there. And when God did what He promised He would do, when the promise of the Father came, the Holy Spirit was poured out on that flesh and it caused that seed inside to come alive, to take root and begin to flourish. That's why they went into the upper room one way and they came down out of the upper room another way. They went in the upper room without the Holy Spirit. They came out of the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit. And the difference was not the information, the difference was not the teaching, the difference was the Holy Spirit. Church, the difference today is the Holy Spirit. We can have all the good series, all the good sermons, all the good teachings, you can read all the good books you want, but I'm telling you what, what you need more than anything is the Holy Spirit to come and do a work that He can only do. And when we talk about being equipped, that's really what I'm talking about is allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in you. Why? So that Christ can express His life through you. Because that's what the work of ministry is. Christ wants to... Man, I'm not even halfway down the first page yet. And I've only got 15 minutes. Well, y'all better pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work. The Bible says in the last days, God will do a quick work. Let's see if he can do one here tonight. God wants to equip you. Why? Because he wants to express his life through you. So listen to this, church. This is important. The more fully you are equipped, the more fully Christ can express his life through you. Christ desires to equip you so that you will be a vessel, an instrument. What does that instrument do on its own? Nothing. How does that instrument become useful? In the hands of somebody that knows how to play it, right? God wants to equip us so that we become instruments that he can express himself through. Just like that guitar does nothing but a musician can express himself through that guitar. You are an instrument that God wants to express himself through. If God is not in the picture, then we have nothing. We are nothing. We were crucified with Christ so that we can become just like that instrument right there. Dead to ourselves, but totally and completely yielded and available to the Master, Lord Jesus Christ, so that he can take our vessels, our instruments, and express himself through this instrument, through this vessel right here. That's what he wants to do. So with what measure should you express his life? How much should you express the life of Jesus? Well, the answer is fully. He's not interested in us halfway expressing his life. He wants us to be instruments that fully express his life. Where should you fully express his life? Where? Last week, I asked you the question a little bit differently. I said, where do you do the work of ministry? Well, what is the work of ministry? It's allowing Christ to express his life through you. So where should you express, fully express the life of Jesus? Well, wherever you are. Not just in the church, not just when you're teaching next door, not just when you're on some campus here or in a church building or doing a spiritual thing. I mean, wherever you are. And you can fill in the blank. Wherever is wherever. Well, when should you fully express his life? Well, it's real easy. It's whenever you are wherever you are. So whenever you are wherever you are, that's when you should express fully his life. Does that make it very clear to you? It, do- it eliminates a lot of confusion, doesn't it? You don't, ha- oh, you don't have to remember... Two things, where, wherever, when, whenever. That's all you have to read. You don't even have to write that on your calendar. You don't have to program it in your BlackBerry. It's just wherever and whenever. That's when you should fully express his life. So the Father's desire, listen, church, the Father's desire, do you realize that from the very beginning, before creation, the reason God created everything, remember, on the sixth day, Right before God rested from all of His work, the last thing God did was create man. Everything up until that sixth day was created for who? For man. It was for us. We were the pinnacle, the crowning jewel of God's creation. And what was God's purpose for creating us? It's always been His purpose, it's always been His desire to fully express the life of His Son through. His creation. And even Paul says this. They are without excuse. Why? Because the very creation, the invisible attributes of the creation around them testify of who? Of Jesus. But there's only one part of His creation that it was said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said. And so man, man has always existed. It's always been the desire of the Father to fully express the life of His Son through you. I want you to look in the mirror every day and I want you to say this. I want you to look in that mirror and say the Father's desire is to fully express the life of His Son through you. And You point to yourself in the mirror and you realize it's Christ in you that is being expressed through you. That's the Father's desire. So do you see salvation? You see that salvation is much more than just having our sins forgiven and and, and having the hope of going to heaven one day. There's too many Christians that are are just living life here, thankful that God has forgiven their sins, and they're not really even sure that He's forgiven all of their sins. They know that He's supposed to forgive them, But they're really not sure because they've done some things since then and they've had some bad thoughts and done some bad things and and, and now they're really pretty unsure that all of their sins are forgiven so they're just hoping that when they die, they're going to hit the lottery. So we're just going to make it the best way we can here on earth until we one day get to heaven. Lord Jesus, help us. Our salvation is more than that, church. Do you understand that? Do you realize that? But do you see how much of the church is living in that mentality? I'm telling you what, our salvation is much more than that. Our salvation is Christ's life manifest fully, fully, not partially, but fully. That's what the scripture says. In you. When? Right now. His life fully manifest in you and through you right now. That's what God Paid a price. That's what Jesus did on the cross, to make that a reality. So we manifest his life as we allow him to equip us. So as we are established by grace, remember the first E, that E in equip stands for being established. How are we established? Hebrews 13.9 says we are established by grace. It is by grace that he has saved us and given us his life, church. Well, what is grace? Grace is God offering you something you did not earn, you did not deserve, and you cannot obtain any other way. That is the gift of salvation. And to boot, then giving you a measure of faith that is required for you to receive it. I mean, it's it's we're saved by grace, but it's only through faith. Well, guess what? The grace was not just the offer of salvation, but it was also God in his grace giving you a measure of faith so that you could receive his offer. Do you see that everything we have is by grace? It is established. We are established by grace. It's not based on the foods we eat, the company we keep, the rituals we perform, the rules and the regulations. That's what the law was. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus said, no, uh 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 That was never meant to make you righteous. That was just to point you to me because I am the righteousness of God. What you need to do is not embrace that law. You need to embrace me because the law points to me, speaks of me, testifies of me. The law was nothing but a signpost that pointed to me. He said, you searched through the book trying to find life, but you're not going to find it. Why? Because I'm not in the book. I'm standing in your presence. The book is about me. Listen. Now, I know this may be a controversial thing I'm about to say, but it's the truth. So I'm going to say it. You can look all day in this book right here, and you can have the letter. But if you don't have the life, it's not going to do anything but put you in bondage. It's not going to do anything but give you a weapon to go kill somebody else with. It's not going to do anything but puff you up and make you proud because you can win Bible trivia every time you play, or whatever. Now, see, this book, the only thing magical about this book is who it's about. This is just paper and ink, but it's what is contained in the words. It's the subject of the words. It's the object of the words. It's not the book itself. It is what the book is about. It's who the book is about. Christ, he is the living word. He doesn't live in this book, he lives in your heart. This book just points you to him. This book just reveals him to you. But only as the spirit of God illuminates and empowers this written word to become a rhema, living word inside of you. So you're established by grace. The cue is this i got to go quick so you can read those scriptures on your own. We are qualified by the Father. Now, this speaks of grace also, Colossians 1.12. Look what it says, giving thanks to the Father. Who has what? Who has qualified us. See, I, I didn't have to qualify myself. Sometimes you go on a job interview and they say, well, sir, you're going to have to take a test, and the test will determine whether you qualify for the position. Well, you know what? You're going to have to qualify. God doesn't say, well, let me give you a test and see whether you qualify for salvation. You know what? If God would have done that, we'd all flunked it. There was no hope of us passing it. As a matter of fact, that's what the law was. God gave us a test called the law, and he said, take that see if you can pass it. And you know what? Every person failed it from history, from Adam all the way until Jesus. There was only one man that ever passed the test. His name is Jesus Christ. All other men, past, present, and future, will flunk that test. There's only one who has already eternally passed the test. His name is Jesus. So where is my hope? In qualifying by passing a test? Or is my hope in Jesus Christ? In the work he finished on the cross? Well, it's in Jesus now, I know you know this. I know you know this in theory, but, but I want you to begin to open your eyes and open your ears as you go every day and you work and you talk with people and you're around people. I want you to begin to listen to them. I want you to look for opportunities. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit every day to open up opportunities for you to not condemn people, not judge people, not beat people over the head with the Bible. But I want you to ask the Spirit of God to open opportunities every day for you to be able to speak life into someone else's life or situation or circumstance. I want you to begin to listen where they're at and what their belief system is. And I'm going to tell you what I believe you're going to find that most people out there really don't have a clue. They've heard all the jargon. They know Jesus died for them. They know Jesus loves them. They know Jesus forgave our sins. They know know all the catchphrases, but they really do not have a revelation of that reality and that truth. You know how I know that? Because they're in bondage. They've not been set free. And Jesus, not Pastor Jeff, but Jesus said, you will know the truth And the truth will make you free. He didn't say you'll have good information. You'll have all the facts. He said, no, you'll know the truth. Having all the facts and having good information is far different than knowing the truth. The Pharisees in Jesus' day had all the facts and had all the information, but they did not know the truth. And you know what Jesus said to them in his politically correct speech? He said, you guys are going to die in your sin because you don't believe in me. Wow, Jesus, whoa, that, whoa! don't you want to win and influence those guys? Jesus, after all, they're very powerful. They have lots of connections. They could help you build a big building. They could uh, help launch your ministry, Jesus. Jesus said, no, I don't really care. I just care about their lives. And the fact is, the truth is, if someone doesn't shake them from their deception, if someone doesn't help them wake up, somebody's got to tell them the truth, so it might as well be me because I am the truth. If you guys don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sins. Now, I don't recommend you just going out Monday morning and finding the first person you run into and just saying that to them. But at the same time, should God ever put it on your heart to be that bold with someone? Could you do it? Could you speak that truth out of love and concern for their eternal soul? We live in a way too politically correct world. And our gospel has become way too politically correct. Our churches have become way too politically correct. Jesus was the antithesis of political correctness. He was the anti-type of political correctness. He was. But he wasn't offensive just for the sake of being offensive. He just was the truth. And the truth came out in everything he did and everything he said because he is the truth. Church, if we are a member of, a part of the body of Christ, then we are a member of, a part of the truth. Not a philosophy, not a concept, not a I- set of ideas, but a person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has, has offered to us his life And when we, by faith, accept his life, we lose our own and we are brought into him, we no longer have an identity apart from him. You know me as Jeff Ripple, but I'm telling you what, God does not know Jeff Ripple. Jeff Ripple was crucified and was buried. God only knows one person. You know who that person is? He only knows his son, Jesus God's not going to see billion upon billions of people in his son. God is only going to see one man, one body, one identity, and that's Jesus Christ. You say, oh, man, I've never thought about it that way. You mean I'm not going to be? No, you lose your identity. Now, that, we shudder to think that because we're so in love with ourselves, and we want to embrace and hold on to our, our identities. But I'm telling you what. I don't know how to preach it any other way than what this book communicates it. And it says, we have been crucified. We don't exist anymore. It's Christ who lives in me. But see, if we began to live out of that reality, out of that revelation, do you realize how it would transform and revolutionize our lives and how we live every day? If we really believe that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. If we really understood that That I I lost my identity on that cross. It's buried. And, And I'm not to go dig it up and carry it around with me. Christ is my identity. The church has got to get that revelation in these last days. She must. She must stop trying to find ways to glorify her identity, to make herself more successful, to do all of this, what we've got to do is find a way to reckon ourselves dead, crucified with Him, buried with Him, so that we can, in truth and reality, see ourselves as raised with Him. And it is not I, but it is Christ who lives now. And the Father has qualified us to be a partaker of that. You can go through your message, God, and read this. To be qualified simply means to be enabled, to make able. The Father has qualified us. He has enabled us to do what? To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. To be partakers of the divine nature. The Father has enabled us to be partakers, so He now has what? Delivered us from the power of darkness. He's made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints, where? In the light. He's taken us from the darkness and He's put us in the light. He has enabled us to be partakers, so He now has, what? Conveyed us from darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. You didn't earn that, I didn't earn that. The Father in His grace made me a partaker of that. He even gave me the faith by which to choose life. Instead of death. Our sufficiency is from God. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient. That word sufficient there, by the way, is the same family of words. The only difference is some are adjectives, some are are verbs, and some are nouns. It's the same family of words. That, that that gives us this word, the Father has qualified us. He has qualified us. He has made us able. Christ is, excuse me, He is our sufficiency. We are not sufficient of ourselves. We are not enough. That word sufficient there means enough. We are not enough of ourselves. In and of myself, I don't have enough of what it takes. So if if the mark is here... And I'm right here. Does close count? No. It doesn't matter if you're here or here. Close doesn't count. If you miss the mark, you've missed it. If you miss it by a hair of an inch, you might as well miss it by a mile. Who is enough? Christ is enough. We are not sufficient of ourselves. We're not enough of ourselves, in ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency... That word there means our ability is from God, who also made us sufficient, who also made us able. My ability is from God. He has given me the ability and he has also made me able as a servant, as a minister. He has not only given me the ability, but he has made me able to put that ability into practice, to live it out. He has made me able to express His life through my very own existence here on earth. Who's made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Look at this church. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We don't need more knowledge of this letter apart from the Spirit. We need the Spirit... To give us knowledge of the Word. Christ is the Word. And we need the Spirit of God to make alive and illuminate the Word to us. How do you get that? Ask. How bad do you want it? Is how bad you'll ask. Is how long you'll ask. Is how long you'll seek. Is how long you'll not. If you're not really interested, you may ask for a while, but grow weary and just pass on to something else. If you want it because you're curious about it, but you're not really passionate about it, you may knock for a while, you may seek for a while, but you'll grow distracted and something else will draw your attention away and you will never get the revelation God wants you to get. Because of the Father's grace, we are sufficient We are enough. You are enough in Christ. Don't let the devil lie to you and say you're not. Don't let the devil lie to you and condemn you and say that your past keeps you from being enough. You are crucified with Christ. Your past is dead and buried. Your reality is no longer your past. Your reality is Christ resurrected in glory and power. And if you were crucified with him, If you by faith received what he gave you by grace, then you have been brought up into Christ. And now, your reality, your truth is Christ and his righteousness, not your past. So when the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Because you've already experienced death. You're living in resurrection now. He's still roaming around, but one day he's going to be cast into the pit. In Christ, you're enough. Because of the Father's grace, our sufficiency, our ability is from Him. I don't have to be able. Now, I have a responsibility, but ultimately, my ability is not going to come. My ability to manifest His life, my ability to be an instrument for Him to manifest Himself through, does not come from me, does not come from you. It comes from Him. So you can rest easy and be at peace. That God knows how to make you able. He has made us sufficient. He has made us able as ministers. Not of the letter. But what church? Of the Spirit. And who does he give the Spirit to? Anyone who will ask. That's what Jesus said in Luke 11. If you believe him, if you trust in him, you ask and he will give you the Spirit, the Father says. Jesus said of the Father. By grace, the Father has qualified us to do what, church? To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. To be delivered from the power of darkness. To be conveyed into the kingdom of the Son. To be partakers of the divine nature. To escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. To have life in His Son and to make that life manifest through us. God has qualified us to do that. To manifest the life of His Son. He has qualified us by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We're here to be equipped, not just by men and good teaching and preaching, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of those things working together. Fitly joined together, every joint, every part, doing what it's supposed to do. I'm supposed to preach to you and teach to you. I'm supposed to equip you. You're supposed to receive that. You're supposed to ask the Holy Spirit to take that and empower that. And you're supposed to avail yourself just like we're all. I am, you are. We're supposed to be fitly joined together, one body in unity, growing in unity, growing in the knowledge of the Son. Every joint supplying what the other needs, every part doing its share, causing Growth of the body, building itself up. How? In in love. Well, well, what if I get tired of doing that? Love doesn't get tired. Well, I am so impatient. Well, love doesn't get impatient. I feel like I'm going to fail. Love never fails. We're living we're in living awesome times, church. I hope you sense that. I hope you can discern the times that you're living in. And I hope you will remind yourself every day that you are a part of the body of Christ. You're a member of His body. And that God has, through faith, put His very life in you. You are a walking dynamo. You walk with the same power that Jesus walked with. You don't believe that, but it's the truth. And because you don't believe it, because I don't believe it all the time, let's be honest, we don't always think that way. We need to remind ourselves. We need to encourage ourselves. That's why the scripture says we come together to provoke one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. When you're down, I'm supposed to say, hey, come on, God, get up. The same Spirit that lives in you is the same Spirit that lived in Christ and raised Him from the dead. What do you have to be down about? Christ is in you, and He is your hope of glory. What's too difficult for God? Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstance, Pastor Jeff. Well, I may not, but Jesus does. And He said, don't worry about it. If He loved the birds and the flowers, He loves you even more. Just seek His kingdom. I'm so tired of here and seeking his kingdom. Well, you better keep seeking it because that's the only place you're going to get a breakthrough. If you're looking for man to give you a breakthrough, if you're looking for some hot teaching to give you a breakthrough, go to the bookstore and buy the latest, greatest, bestseller to get my breakthrough. You're not going to get it that way. Seek his kingdom. Seek his face with all of your heart and his promises. You'll find him. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll give you the revelation, the transformation, the breakthrough that you need. How bad do you want it? What price are you willing to pay for it? I'll let you ask that to God and I'll let God answer it to you. Because it's different for every one of us. But it's a question we all need to ask ourselves. I need to ask myself, what price am I willing to pay to get the breakthrough that I need? Amen. Let's all stand. Well Father, we just we just want to pray a real simple prayer. Because Lord, complicated prayers are no more powerful than just very simple prayers. As a matter of fact, I think probably simple prayers are much more powerful than big, long complicated prayers. Lord, I've I've mastered the ability to pray very long, complicated prayers, but they don't seem to really be very powerful. So I'm going to just try to go with the real simple, uncomplicated, and trust that the Spirit of God will empower. Lord, we just ask tonight, touch us as only you can touch us. Empower us as only you can power us. If our eyes are blind, open our blind eyes. If our ears are deaf, open our deaf ears. If our hearts and our minds have become dull, then, Father, break them, open them, that, Lord, your spirit can have its way, its will. God, let us be broken even as that alabaster jar was broken. God, let us break forth even as a well, a fountain of living water would break forth and begin to emit its flow. God, deliver us from waiting for an outpouring from heaven when you have put an endless fountain on the inside of us. We need to open our gates and allow the Spirit to flow. God, we ask you to manifest your life through us and so fulfill the work of ministry. Holy Spirit, help us, empower us as only you can. Amen. If you're here and you